0: Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. Our very own Bill Simmons just released his 500th Bill Simmons podcast episode, featuring Bill Hader talking about HBO's new season of Barry, SNL stories, and favorite movies. And for the very first time, Bill is joined by a long awaited special guest. He also just recorded a new Rewatchables episode on Fast Five with Shay Serrano. And after you listen to the Rewatchables, head over to the Wingy It podcast, where Vince and Kent interview the Fast Five star himself, Ludacris, where they discuss his career, his new music, and Fast Nine. You can find these episodes and much more Ringer content on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hey, welcome back. It's Larry Wilmore, and this is Black on the Air Yes, good to be back. I have uh, one of my favorite guests, Mr. Trayvon, free in man. the Cash with yeah, me man. today. Thanks for coming by, Trayvon. We're just going to talk to Trayvon the whole time. There's a lot of issues out here. You know, Trayvon and I, we we uh, respectfully disagree on things for, that we can laugh about, I think, in <laughs> our relationship. You know, I kind of tease him. He's like my younger brother in some ways, because I've seen his career. I'm so proud of this guy, too. You know, I've seen Trayvon when he was just breaking in. He's one of those guys that... You know, sky's the limit on what he wants to do. Very creative, very funny. Multiple, multiple Emmy winner. Yeah, thanks, man. Trayvon Free. Thanks, man. I, I mean, talk about I spend story. a lot of my life admiring you. So, oh well,
0: you're very I'm, kind. I'm trying to follow that trajectory. <laughs> Good luck. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, you want to be fired
1: from this show? You want a, your show to get canceled? You want people to be mad at you for calling the president's other? You know? All right, we'll see. Um, one of the reasons why I wanted to invite you in and have this conversation. We're recording this on Sunday, last day of March. Tomorrow's April first, so I think this is going to drop soon. And right now, you're on the negotiating committee for the Writers Guild, right? right. Now, the Writers Guild, right now, for those of you um, not playing home game, Writers Guild America West, Writers Guild America East. It's you know, it's technically two guilds. That's one guild. It's hard to explain that right yeah. now. But right now, we're having kind of an existential fight with the agencies, the talent agencies, over the nature of their representation because there have been some issues. That have been affecting that definition of how we're being represented by them. And this agreement goes all the way back, I think, to the mid-70s. And it has to do with something called packaging and what they're doing and producing. And I wanted to talk to Trayvon about it because there's a major vote that just happened. And when I say existential, it may change the nature of our relationships with agents forever or the role of agents in the industry. So I explained it a little bit, Trayvon. Can you explain? So, what is the major issue that we're having with the talent agencies, and they're collectively called the ATA, yes. right? What does that um, stand for anyway? Uh, Association like, of Talent Ta- Agents yeah, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, Association okay. of Talent Agents. Okay.
0: The I think the major issue the the guild has is that they believe there's an inherent conflict of interest when the agents negotiate their fees Mm -hmm. directly with the studio instead of on behalf of the client. So when when you— That's
1: what packaging is, right? Yes.
0: And so if—we believe if you are not incentivized to get your money based on how much money you get your clients, it then changes the nature of how much money your clients earn over their lifetime. Mm -hmm. And we've seen large declines— in writer salaries and salaries of different levels of writers since packaging's really exploded in this, like, modern era of television. Mm-hmm. And so it's a, it's starting to affect—it affects directors, it affects actors. Mm-hmm. And so we just want to say, uh, hey, let's take a look at this and possibly either get rid of it and put you guys back on our side since we employ right. you.
1: Well, let's, let's first give a layman's definition of packaging. So— Packaging, from my point of view, I think is when, okay, where you're putting together a TV show, on television, the writer usually does what is called creates the show. Mm-hmm. You know, they come up with an idea or they develop an idea and they're called the creator of the show. And many times the agency that they're with will ask, will like put together maybe a director. This is how packaging used to work. And maybe um, an actor. Let's say they, Team up that writer with the director and an actor who are all from the same agency, and they right. call that a package. And because they have presented this package—this is the way it used to work, by the way—because they have presented this package, rather than get 10 percent from these three distinct right. entities, they instead get a certain fee from the studio itself. And these the actor, director, and writer don't have to pay the agent that 10 percent commission. Right. So they get a savings on that. What the agencies get instead of their commission is a direct fee from the studio, and that's broken up into three parts. There are two different parts up front, and then there's a portion of what's called the back end, the profit participation right. that they're promised um, in success of the show. Right. So, And the conflict has been because um, if they are now getting profits from the show or they have a stake in the show— that the cost of the show is more important to them than the price their clients are getting paid right. when they're involved in it, right? Is Correct. that a fair way to say it? Yeah. And, and over time, it's been abused a bit by— right. Many times writers don't even know that their shows are—, are sure. That the agency has a package in the show. Many times they have done nothing to put the whole thing together. And they get a huge back end. <laughs> and they that. get a huge back end, and sometimes they'll make more off of a show than the, the people, people that actually worked yeah. on the show. Yeah, no, they'll make more than you. Yes, and it's a big— conflict of interest now it's um there's uh they're not acting in the best interests of their clients the other part of it is they're now setting up production companies right which is in direct conflict because if they hire writers for that the you your know, agent the, becomes your boss. Yes. Your agent <laughs> be, so the person you're giving ten percent to, who's supposed to be working for you, is now your boss. Is now your boss. And undercutting your money again. It's, it's
0: Supposed to be the person who has your best interest at heart, but also yes. so is deciding how you work or so if you work.
1: These are the two big issues, yeah. right? There's probably little issues. There's little too. things, yeah, right, like right, transparency right. on certain things and that kind yeah. of stuff. But like that's but the these major are the stuff. major things, yeah. right? So how long have you guys been in actual sit down negotiations? Uh. For the last, like, two months, a couple months, like the okay. beginning of the year. And how many sessions have you actually had? Uh, I think we just had our
0: fourth. I think we just had fourth? our fourth. That's the, not a lot, really. Yeah, there, yeah, there's been a lot of, like, mm-hmm. communications back and forth right. leading up to those sessions where— Some you,
1: back-channel stuff or where, where, like direct they, communications?
0: Direct communications, okay. where, like, they've like, tried to work things out leading up to those meetings. Uh-huh. And there's been, like, back and forth in the press and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But for the most part— those sit-down meetings are, like, hours long, uh-huh. and they can take up your whole day. Uh-huh. And so are that's why— Are they contentious? Why, um, they get—yeah, there's been some moments. Yeah. There's been some some tense moments.
1: Um, mm. Are the agents representing themselves in there, or do they have, like, lawyers The head of the ATA, them? and uh-huh. they have a lawyer who is
0: also there representing them. Uh-huh. And they pretty much— um, there's been some moments where— They've not even really been in agreement with each other. So, the agents themselves, yeah, the agencies, right? Uh-huh. And so, it's been interesting to see how uh, they take our proposals mm-hmm. and amongst themselves, like, come to an agreement. And we had the last meeting we had, um, like, it, it literally nothing came out of it. When was the last meeting at? It uh, was, la- was today, Sunday. Uh-huh. It was on. Uh, on a Monday or Tuesday, because I had to, I went to the screening of Rami. Uh-huh. Which I, has, I love that uh,
1: that's your reference
0: points. Yeah, yeah, like what did I have to do <laughs> right. that day? So I remember what day it was. Uh, yeah,
1: I think it was last uh-huh. like Monday or Tuesday. Okay. And did it seem like you were near something, or did it seem like you're still far apart?
0: Um, the way it ended, it seems like we we'd made some headway in our in getting our mutual proposals closer. Okay. But on the major points we didn't make a lot of uh headway. Yeah, I think they really want and I mean it makes sense from a negotiating standpoint but like sure. they really wanted to you know wait to see what the vote looks like. Okay, and, so
1: let's talk about the vote and what that is. So the Writers Guild of America has set up um their own proposal for their members saying mm-hmm. that if an agreement and I'm paraphrasing here, but tell me if I'm right or wrong on this or in the ballpark that if an agreement is not reached that their writers can only engage services from an agency that agrees to the writers a ag- new agreement correct, right? if they don't, then they are a disenfranchised agency, right, correct, which means the writers have to fire those agents, correct, or they're just not allowed to work with those agents they are which in effect is firing them essentially agents. yeah, yeah, you're right. not you're no longer allowed to work. With those agencies, which is essentially like firing your agents. Right. So the Guild had a vote on this from their members, and that vote ended today, um, if they would ratify this agreement, which we know is going to be yes. Right. You know? So That's once true. that is official, which it will be by the time you listen to this, what happens now?
0: We spend this next week leading up to April 6th uh-huh. back in negotiations with the agencies— Hopefully, to reach some type of resolution.
1: And April 6th is what?
0: April 6th is the deadline. That's, the end, the, That's the end of the agreement. That's when it expires. Yeah, so, so after yeah, then, shit hits the fan. So the morning of Monday, April 7th, you either will—we will, we will have, a new, have had a new agreement and you can continue working with your agents, or we will not have reached an agreement and the old agreement will have
1: expired— and you will technically not have a literary agent. Now, this works for people who are going to fire their agent anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, perfect way out. <laughs> perfect way out. Um, but what about, like, one of my concerns on this, you know, I had a long talk with one of my buddies who I, I, by the way, just so people know, I served on the board of directors for the Writers Guild about maybe 15 years ago at this point, and I was on two negotiating committees, 2004, 2007. In those days, the chief concern, especially in 2004, was our Pension and Health. Mm -hmm. 2007, why it was about DVDs is beyond me, (laughs) which I disagree with. We ended up going on strike. I'm like, brr! And and the writers lost a lot of money in that strike. I was very concerned about that one. But, you know, sometimes you do that. So this one, um, I was concerned that, like, especially writers who are just starting with an agency, writers of color, women writers, who are some of the most vulnerable, sometimes it's harder for them to get agents, especially if it's a... You know, you finally got into that top four or something right. like that. Or, you know, they have to fire that agent. You yeah. Know, that's it's, not too good in my book.
0: No, yeah, it's, it is. it uh, is. There are a lot of legitimate concerns mm-hmm. about what will happen for people in certain positions and certain mm-hmm. levels in the, in the industry who's just come in, who've just gotten agents
1: for the first like time. Like it's hard enough to be visible. Right. But now you're going to be in a situation where— showrunners are getting their ideas from writers from other showrunners, that sounds like the old cabal that we were in before. Right, right, yeah. Where it's like, what's a black writer? I've never heard of a black writer. What does that even mean?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean... Good luck breaking
1: through that wall.
0: It's it's one of the hardest parts, I think, of being in a union Mm -hmm. where you're like, you recognize there is a larger issue going unnoticed. Mm -hmm. Like, if you think about... You think about it like something that's afflicting your body and Uh you're like, I can ignore this symptom and kind of just like live to 60 and be fine. Uh Or I can take care of it now, have the surgery. I might Uh be out of commission for a couple weeks, maybe a month or so, Uh and it might be like painful, but I'll I'll be very healthy when it's over and Uh I'll be a much better person. And we want, we kind of want people to understand like yeah it's going to affect people differently right. but the major and point on the larger issue and why you're part of a union is the benefits of when we get things done right they they magnify themselves and they and they make your career better in the long run mm-hmm. you end up making more money you end up getting more benefits you end up Taking like ten, like you like with the strikes, you take. Sometimes you take a temporary pain mm-hmm. in the in the essence of getting a larger win, okay. if, if it goes
1: right. Let me challenge and, you on that. So one of the one of the arguments that the writers' good is making is that wages have not increased. The, then when we say wages, we don't mean the minimum wages. We mean the wages that. Like middle-class writer, let's say, that they would get once they're past the minimum and what their agents might argue for them. They'll say over the past 20 years, those those have pretty much remained the same or stagnant. Mm -hmm. Where did we win in our past fights? Uh, Like how—if writers aren't better off and we lost all that money in 2007, exactly how did we come out on top?
0: I mean, (laughs) we— In the last mm-hmm. in the last NBA, we made some gains in healthcare. Mm-hmm. We made some gains in minimums, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and we made some gains in sh- in changing the definition of of how long a writer can work on a show and be held mm-hmm. on the show, which affects their annual income mm-hmm. if like they're like stuck not being able to work because the show is keeping them for twenty. Give them more
1: freedom, yeah, so right. that they so can have, exclusive. So they, can, yeah, so they can make right.
0: more money, and so that alone, if a show can't work you for thirteen weeks or 20 weeks, Mm -hmm. and then mandatorily hold you for another 20, it allows you to go do another job and make more money. So that alone has, like, now the writers who were stuck in these long— which was happening a lot at streaming networks Mm -hmm. who were stuck in these contracts where they could only work on one show a year.
1: HBO would do that, too. Yeah, and so now—
0: I did this last year. Like I worked on back to back shows, remember, yeah, yeah. and that allowed me to like double my I income. when you
1: were just developing your show? Yeah, and, and you were kind of stuck in that I, hell I, for a while, right? Yeah. And so yeah.
0: it it allowed me to not be stuck in mm-hmm. uh, a deal or a, a, a show situation where I'm being held for another 20 weeks mm-hmm. in case you want to bring back this show. And instead of making like. What a hundred thousand dollars for the ten weeks or fifteen weeks on one show mm-hmm. for the year? I can now go work on two shows and maybe make two hundred two twenty. Mm-hmm. and that along brings starts to bring people's numbers back up on average right. And so it those were some of the gains we made mm-hmm. in the NBA after we saw through surveys. How Mm -hmm. stagnant people's wages have been over the last 10 years, and how much money the studios have been making the last 10 years, which was insane.
1: Yeah, one of the crazy things about this, and I know these numbers may be hard to relate to, unfortunately. Yeah, totally. Some of these conversations I understand are 1% conversations if you talk about 100,200, but you guys have to understand that many times the companies, sorry companies, but I have to make. Yeah, many times these companies will keep making more and more money at the expense of the people right. providing the services that allows them to make that money. Right, which is insane. Yeah. I just don't get that at all. You and, know, and so like we get squeezed out more and more and more. Yet they keep making their more. pie keeps getting bigger right. and bigger and bigger. And they keep warning, "It's you like to, how rich do you need
0: to be?" Right, <laughs> yes. and so mm-hmm. and it's like and like from a standpoint of like understanding, like people who work in entertainment are. Mm-hmm. Similar to athletes, like we yes. we work for people who make an obs- obscene amount of money. Right. So by nature, our salaries tend to seem high on compared to the rest of the world or an mm-hmm. individual, the ninety nine percent, whatever you want to. And call remember,
1: it. the guild and deals with the minimum salaries, not right. the exorbitant yeah. salaries. Your
0: agent's responsible for getting you anything above the standard minimum right. that a union sets for you. And there are so, several
1: high profile people: your Shandas, your yeah, very rare Ryan I'm Murphys, not. who get these ridiculous numbers. And but those are the things that people read about. But yeah, the <laughs> Most of us are not. Doing yes, that. that's yeah. right. Most no. of us, like, yeah, you're we're trying. living
0: very, like, normal, good yes. lives.
1: And by the way, a good career in writing is 10 years. Yeah. You know, and how long are you going to live? 70, 80, 90? Right. You know, right. 10 years is a decent career in writing, you know. Acting, right. it's maybe seven.
0: Right. You know. Yeah, it's very short. So you need to make as much as you can and right. try to, like, you know, create a life for yourself because— Writing's not like being a banker or something that you can mm-hmm. just like make money hand over fist unless you become a Shonda or a Ryan or a Kenya or yeah. these guys. And so while those numbers sound large comparative to someone who's like, Well, I only make thirty five thousand dollars, like, yeah, like I might make a hundred thousand dollars but twenty five percent of it's gone immediately and then another half of it's gone for, for taxes. So mm-hmm. It's not like we're getting, like, rich as, re- as standard TV writers. We're just— Not compared compa- to the companies, Right. That's for in sure. comparison to our employers, we are making uh, pennies on to what they make off of us. On
1: the product that many times we're responsible yeah, for. Yeah,
0: that we—there's a blank page until we put words on it. They don't have right. a, theres no Game of Thrones until those guys write words. And right. then that becomes a billion-dollar
1: enterprise. Right. And— What do so- you think is going to happen? Do you think there's going to be an agreement? What do you think is going to happen? I think if
0: the number, do you number,
1: think this is going to go on for months and months? Do you think like the way strikes do? I think I,
0: I think if the if the number in, in the vote is high enough, it'll move the agencies to like come come closer to making an agreement.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I think if it's if it's not high enough, then that definitely makes them feel empowered. Mm-hmm. And I would I would love for us to to not have to. Deal with people firing their agents and mm-hmm. and things of that nature. But if it if it comes to that, I honestly don't know how long the agents will hold out. I don't know what their strategy would be because right. I, I I think about when we when we looked at how many writers said they were getting jobs without their agent's help. So, like, people were getting jobs through personal relationships. Mm-hmm. It was a high number of people who were like, yeah, like, my friend calls me and says, sure. like, I'm doing this show, which happens to us a lot. And mm-hmm. then you, like, you call your agent. And you go, hey, this show, my friend hit me about this show. Can you guys, like, do you, like, figure it out? And then mm-hmm. you'll get a job that way. And so a lot of the established writers have that kind of thing going for them. And I guess it's a tricky situation to put – Writers in the position, from an agency standpoint, of proving to them that we can employ, we can gain employment without their help, uh-huh. on a, to a certain percentage, and and they, I think if that number is high enough, it can possibly show their value might be diminished in that regard. Uh-huh. That we might be giving away ten percent of our money for as less help than we thought we were getting. Wow, that's and,
1: pretty low. Do so you think that you? Think there's a possibility of a future without talent agents?
0: I think it's possible. I mean, wow. I don't, I don't know. At least,
1: oh, what about all not, those jokes about agents? <laughs>
0: I mean, not. I don't think. It, I don't think for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. I think it it is a possibility. It's it's one of the options where, I mean, it's going to be the thing. If they if we don't have them, it does it does fall onto us.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: then if left to to prove that we can be resilient in that way and gain employment. Um with the help of like friends, managers and lawyers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a risk they have to be willing to take. Right. And it 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 would shift their entire business if literary clients somehow on the whole or to a certain percentage found work without them. Mm-hmm. Um ideally you don't want you would you would like to restructure the contract, the deal. And and get it to a point where everybody's happy and we can continue our relationships with our agents because they do do good work for us. Like I mean, there are definitely things we don't deal with because they deal with, and uh-huh. we get our above minimum salary because of how they negotiate. But for for too long, I think it's been not not moving enough, not not going in the right direction. And part of that is trying to resolve what looks like a conflict of interest in terms of how you negotiate for our salaries,
1: especially since packaging has morphed over the last 40 years. Mm -hmm. Have they brought up any issues that surprised you, you know, that kind of took you guys by surprise or you thought, oh man, you know, I can't believe Um, they said that. In any of the meetings I've been, um, without, you know, giving up any confidentiality issues, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't... Nothing immediately comes to mind. There's probably definitely things that have been said that mm-hmm. I couldn't repeat, but... I guess it's more interesting to see how they see themselves in relation to us as clients. How do they...
1: How How is that? That sounds because interesting. Because
0: they, they see themselves that's as cool. our, like, biggest allies uh-huh. in the fight awesome. against, uh-huh. like, networks and studios. Right. That they're in cahoots with. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's, that's an interesting position to be in where, uh-huh. like... You think of yourself as our allies, uh-huh. and you're also like negotiating with the people who we like sell our shows to uh-huh. um, directly to get your to get money to get fund to get your
1: to make your checks. And more recently, the, these agencies have been infused with uh, venture capitalist money. And yeah, out, from all uh, over the lots place. of money to. There's a different bottom line that these yeah. people expect than just um, they've 10%. bought other companies. Yes. They've, they've
0: gotten into other businesses, right. fashion, sports. Like it's they've they've become like big time, big time businesses.
1: Yeah. So do you? So what? Here's I always think it's harder to put that genie back in the bottle. You know because they've been doing packaging for so long. And by the way, this was with the Writers Guild just kind of nodding and saying whatever. You know, and the other guilds, too. So right. I think one of the challenges is we said whatever for so long. They're like, why are you upset now? You well, know, you been- kind of—you said this was okay. You said ripping you off was okay. <laughs> why are you mad at us taking your money now? <laughs> right.
0: I mean, I feel like it's kind of like what when, when you guys went through with streaming. When streaming yeah. became a thing sure. and the big fight became like— oh, you guys are making a killing of streaming and not cutting us in on that at all. Mm-hmm. And we deserve a cut of that, of what you guys are, or the or online stuff, the mm-hmm. video clips and how writers weren't getting any type of residual for the right. show networks putting your show clips online. Sure. And people, they tried to make it seem like it didn't matter and it wasn't a thing that was going to be big or wasn't mm-hmm. going to like affect And we're like, it's
1: the future of the I entire know? business. I always feel like they're so happy when new technology comes along because here's a way we can screw the people. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <Right>. <laughs> Ooh, and then downplay actually, it. They're
1: making us pay this much, you know, right. when we put it on TV. Ooh, we can have it on a computer. Right. They can't get money from us now. <laughs> <laughs> and then downplay it while everybody's yes, on their phone and computers. They always do
0: that. Yeah. It's uh,
1: amazing it's to me that how be, many it. when you look at all the technology changes, right? You know, and how many times they thought, "Oh, this isn't going to be anything." Yeah. And of course, it was right. And it the
0: biggest thing because the
1: world keeps changing you know
0: and they don't want you to be a part of that at all (laughs) yes because
1: in the future we know there's not going to be such a thing as TV it's just going to be content and the way you watch the content yeah how you pick it up many people watch things on their phone exclusively now yeah You know, with the cord cutters and that sort of thing. I see a lot of people watching Netflix on their their iPhones. Or people that don't have a sense of what a channel is. Like Channel 7, what's that? Right. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I just watch The Bachelor. I don't know that it's on Channel 7. I mean, you can literally get
0: your cable from YouTube now. I know. So It's, it's like, what do you need a TV for?
1: Yeah, it's really the business is changing in bigger ways now than I think it's changed in a long time since the invention of television, I would say. When it went from radio to television, most of those definitions had to change, ultimately. Yeah. Where do you see, do you, um, let's let's talk about culture in television a little bit, too. How do you feel about where, like, people of color are in terms of what's happening on TV? And do you think any of these things is going to affect that, you know, these fights?
0: I feel like. Are you happy
1: right now? Do you feel like we're getting, there's more happening I feel like there's an now?
0: illusion of more happening. An
1: illusion of it? Yeah. You think it's more of the same? or I, th- I think it's... Like why? Black Panther didn't really exist. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think we have these flashpoints uh-huh. like Black Panther that make people feel like... Black people and people of color have a bigger stake in film and television than we actually do.
1: We gave you guys crazy rich Asians. How many Asians <laughs> do you want?
0: They were crazy How and many many they were Asians rich. How many Asians do you want?
1: We put crazy <laughs> and rich in one sentence for you. <laughs> what other kind of Asians Great, do you want? Jesus Christ. <laughs> um... We've got some fresh off the boat. We've got <laughs> right. some crazy rich ones. Give us a break. Right. You gave me two of them. Mm. Jesus. Having said that, I am actually working on a pilot right now with, about a Chinese-American immigrant family. I'm very excited about it. So, is
0: that with Kevin Kwan, or is it different? No, oh, Jessica Gao. Very
1: oh, okay. talented writer. Yeah, they,
0: I think when you look at the number of—and I think Hollywood Reporter or someone put out an article about this report about it actually— looking like there's better representation than there actually is. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And when you look at the number of scripted shows in production, it's somewhere like in the the area of like 450, something like that. Mm -hmm. There's only, I think, six or seven shows Mm -hmm. that actually have cast of colors, like the leads, Mm -hmm. out um, out of almost 500. Wow. And I don't think that gives... The Emmys, the right to open their show <laughs> with a How Great We Are diversity. Wow, yeah, that was a little cynical. When that's the case. And not only that, like you go, you do your big diversity uh, bit and then literally go into giving all the awards to Marvelous Mrs. Mazel. <laughs> 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 and, and all the Come Atlanta. on, Jay
1: why you gotta hate on Mrs. Mazel? Uh, no, I don't man. say that at all to hate on Mazel. I just think it's Ms.
0: ironic. Maisel. I just think it's ironic that you <laughs> yes. got like. You yeah. have this That's this funny. incredible season of Atlanta, and uh, you do your Here's diversity so bit, Here's so hilarious. and then you open the show, and then the Atlanta <laughs> actors are just sitting there in these <laughs> in these cutaways, uh, watching the, all the awards be given away to uh, to Marvelous. I've just found that very ironic, but um, I mean, I feel like the fact that we can probably sit here and name every mm-hmm. show of color on one hand. Maybe like maybe like seven fingers in a in a world that in America at least, where there's four hundred plus shows in production what's
1: the biggest obstacle from your point of view,' Because you went from uh, working on like one of the most culturally important shows as the start of your career on the daily show, right mm-hmm. which didn't have a lot of black people, people of color working on it you no. know. You were, I was the only and, one. You were an early settler. Yeah. And I, there were no black correspondents when I started right. there, you know. Um sorry, not to talk I got a turn Dave Show. But, <laughs> but at the time, Dave the Show was criticized for it too. Yeah. So I'm not saying anything people don't know, you right. know. So you've gone from that, and now you've you've worked with Issa in some things, you know, you've worked with a lot of people in different situations. Uh, the show you just worked on, I think for Showtime had a black lot of Monday. representation, yeah. right? Yeah. So how do you see it from your perspective in terms of like let, let me frame it in this way. Cause I know you've you've been in the business of trying to create things. What have you seen as maybe has there felt like there's been resistance to a certain type of storytelling, or does it just feel like, well, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's all the same.
0: I feel like it's a mix of I don't know if that question makes sense. No, no, I understand what you mean. I think I think it's a mix of there is at an executive level in, in some studios a resistance to letting people of color tell a story they may not fully understand Mm -hmm. or that they may only understand up to a point sure and then when they get to that point then the 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 corporate fear kicks in of like Mm -hmm. i don't know yeah i don't (laughs) don't know what this is like Uh can you and and i think there's a mix of that and a mix of just general like we it just doesn't happen Mm -hmm. like there's Two black shows on HBO. There's Insecure and there's Random Acts of Flyness. Oh, I was like, what's the and other one? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like most people don't even know that Taylor's right. show is on. I guess Wyatt's show is a is I guess Wyatt's show shows a third show because he's uh, did it he
1: get picked up? Yeah, I just
0: saw the billboard on the way here, oh, April cool. 5th. Wyatt's a uh, oh. Wyatt's an act. Bro. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Wyatt's an act show on mm-hmm. HBO. Um, so three, mm-hmm. and two of them are late night shows. Mm-hmm. Um, but. HBO's known for their scripted content.
1: Yes, not really and, dramatic yeah. shows, yes. And I, so I know what you're talking about.
0: It's when you across the board at the networks we are the like either we either don't exist or there's one. Mm-hmm. And the idea of two seems to scare yeah, people. Yeah, I know. Of like, wait, two black shows? yeah. Like, three scripted black shows right. like or what if there was one show of color right. on shouldn't ev- the
1: word blackish cover everything <laughs> right you know we,
0: we put it in the title guys like <laughs> like could you imagine if every night we program there was a show of color for like I know. it it seems like that's still too hard for people like i know like I back re- in the
1: day they used to always have to uh program all the black shows on one night you know, yeah, one like, night. I used to call it Nick at night." You know, I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> why do night. they think all the like, we got to be on one night? <laughs> right?
0: Yo. <laughs> if you don't get it on uh on, on Wednesdays, sorry guys. Yeah, but
1: I interrupted you saying, but,
0: uh, but yeah, like I feel mm-hmm. like if if we really, if the networks, I would say it like this. I think studios and networks are interested in the idea of diversity, mm-hmm. not the work of actually creating it because that would actually take so much more effort on their
1: parts to actually think about it regularly. Is it that cold, or is it they would like it, but they don't know how, or it's too— I feel like Like, when it falls in their lap, they're like, whew! Right, right. You know? I feel like we've
0: gotten past the point of not knowing how, in the sense of, like, mm-hmm. Lena Waithe, Issa Rae, Justin Simeon, Kenya Barris, Shonda Rhimes, mm-hmm. uh, Donald, Donald Glover— all exists. Ryan mm-hmm. Coogler exists. Barry Jenkins exists. Of course, Larry Wilmore exists. <laughs> like like <hello>. all, all <laughs> of you guys exist. Mm-hmm. So to right. say, if, when they go, we don't. what we don't know what it's like. You can call any of you mm-hmm. and get a million ideas for shows. It's do you want to let us make them? Mm-hmm. Do you want to give us the real estate on your networks to to brown it up to like make content that is not for your general audience for the mm-hmm. majority of people maybe watching your network. And when you look at how they program, they can do whatever they want. We see the shows they put on where you're like, how did this get on the air? <laughs> yeah, right, and right. it's like, that show made it. And you're like, I have five ideas mm-hmm. that are stronger than that, that I can't get anybody to buy into. Yeah, And so you start to, the more you keep running into that door, a wall, yeah. you start to feel like, well, I know... It can't be me. It can't uh-huh. be like that every idea I have is bad and every <laughs> idea they have
1: is right. good. Do you feel like there always can only be one or just maybe two representatives of us in a particular thing, it seems like, sometimes, too? You it, know? Do, it does seem like—, like, I like... Wanna, I'm hoping that there's another Jordan Peele, too, because I love oh what, God, Jor- yeah, what like... Jordan's doing is amazing. You know, he's changing shit up, you know, on his own, and he's doing it because— His first movie was so big. You know, he has the... Yeah,
0: undeniable.
1: He, He can do that now and he's doing it. And I always wonder can w- will the business accept another one say no we already got that over here Yeah, like, you know what i mean like right. i think about stuff like that yeah like and yeah. I, I i love i want the same genre thing bending part of it because yeah.
0: it's like imagine if there were 5 jordan peels uh, doing different types right. of that not that thing. they're all
1: clones of him but yeah, yeah but like 5 the people with that level stuff. of success yes. that
0: level of talent who right. who who brought that to maybe comedy or brought that to right. like uh, um, uh, drama, or different types of—he's very sci-fi focused in his mm-hmm. in his and horror focused in his work, but like five different levels of of that, and I think you can create that if you give people the opportunity mm-hmm. to work, give people the opportunity to create right. things, get like one, you need to start with putting people in the rooms because mm-hmm. it's like, how Making do you even, decisions. yeah, how do you even mm-hmm. groom talent to be that good right. if you're not even learning anything from anyone, if you're not in a room, if you're not on a set, right. if you're not, like, I I think Jenny Connor did so much for me. You worked with her on campaign? I worked working with her on campaign. Mm-hmm. She, like, I can't thank her enough. For the le- the lessons and the the, the education I got mm-hmm. working on camping from the writers' room to production mm-hmm. to following her around into into meetings showrunner meetings director meetings like that education's invaluable. She was a gracious
1: showrunner. Yeah, like yeah, she, a like showrunner.
0: she's so good at the job, mm-hmm. and for someone to say, "Let me like come on, let me show you mm-hmm. what this is like," let like. Read these emails about this particular decision I have to make. This is mm-hmm. what like this job is like. Like to me, there's like the showrunner training and then there's following an actual showrunner from beginning to end. Of yeah, mentorship. Show. Yeah. And mm-hmm. like how many other black writers are getting that education? Mm-hmm. Like I don't like. I don't know very many of them, other Mm -hmm. than the ones who already are showrunner level, EP level uh, creators and writers. I've always tried
1: to do that whenever I run shows. You know, yeah, like it's it's, it's invaluable. Yeah, get that step up and everything. Yeah, like
0: just say, hey, look, come sit in on this meeting. You know, don't say anything. Right, like just come watch what we talk about. Like, let me show you. So that way, when someone hires you at the next job, you can be a co-producer you can be a supervising producer mm-hmm. you can get to the co-EP level and have had experience like the fact that I, there were moments where I was left in charge of set like if you don't know what that's like how do you sell a show how mm-hmm. do you go do a thing or say right. how someone trusts you with responsibility on a, a multi-million dollar product mm-hmm. when you just have never done it. Yeah. And it's until you get, and there's white writers and, and producers and people getting that education every single day. Right. And so, of course, it makes sense that they know how to do the job and that they're there. And people are like, well, these are people who are qualified. And they it's also like, get
1: the benefit of the doubt when they haven't done it. Exactly.
0: Right. It's like, well, yeah, you can, hmm. you can do it. You can figure it out. Yeah. Like you, I, I think you know enough. Where we get the other thing, where it's like, well, you never done it before. Yeah. We don't know. And I had that
1: happen to me this year. Where like, I thought I said the benefit of the doubt is more racist than people. In the yeah, pizza. That, that is one. Of the, that <laughs> is that's like that is a great Larryism. <laughs> the doubt is racist. People, keep, you keep looking at people. Sometimes it's the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> yeah, it's the it one like, benefit white people take in abundance. Right. Is. It's it's like <laughs> I
0: I I was like. Up for a supervising producer um, job, and one of the, what they came back with was like, "We like him, but we don't know mm-hmm. if he has the experience." Mm-hmm. And
1: absolutely, I faced that my whole career. And,
0: and in my mind, I'm going, "Well, I look at my resume, I look at what I've done, and mm-hmm. and I'm like, I don't. You're not asking me to go from uh, Daily Show writer." to supervising producer on a scripted program. Right. You're asking me to go from having been a producer on two scripted shows. Right. One where I was, like, heavily involved to, like, supervising producer on a scripted show. And you think I'm incapable of making that leap. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and in, my, in my mind, like, I don't necessarily fault them for not giving me the job as so much as I think— I do think a white writer would have gotten the benefit of the doubt. I mm-hmm. do think that happens more times than not. Mm-hmm. Just based off the fact that, one, there's just not that many of me in the business. There's not that many of us. Mm-hmm. Like in writer's rooms, I, I don't— I probably know majority of the working black writers, especially
1: in positions of influence. Yeah, and yeah mm-hmm. in
0: this business, we all right. we have dinners, we have parties, we gather. We all know you each do.
1: other. Yeah. How come I'm not invited? <laughs>
0: we want to come to your house. I mean, like <laughs> we like your parties. I had a party for you last night. <laughs> yeah, we want to come to that party. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's definitely a way for networks and studios. Tomorrow, if they mm-hmm. wanted to change the landscape of how the rooms looked, mm-hmm. of how their networks looked, like I, I did this one panel, and someone asked if I could say anything to any like network executive, right. uh, what would it be? And I I said, you know, when you go into your office tomorrow, sit down in your desk, look at the landscape of your network and your and your shows, and if you actually do care about having diverse and inclusive mm-hmm. uh, shows and, and writers' rooms and environments. Sit down, look at it, and ask yourself, is this representative of that? Are yes. the, Look at the list of writers in your rooms on your shows. Now, is this representative of that? I'll, what can I do to change I'll that?
1: I'll keep it a little more 100% than that, let's just say. <laughs> <laughs> um, I put a lot of that on us on showrunners themselves. You know, yeah, you're it, does, the one, it definitely yes, does circle down. Motherfucker, yeah. you're doing the hiring. Why yeah. do you need surveys and blindness? Yeah, just hire people. Yeah. You know, open your eyes and hire people, you know. Take yeah. that leap. And many people have, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I was— very gracious to like work in a room with
0: David uh, right. Jordan Cass and David Kahn. Yeah, very and funny. Very, very. There was like yeah. I think that's the I've never that's the most people of color I've ever worked with in a room. Isn't that amazing. And
1: oh. and I think they made a point of like yeah. doing that. And I got I, spoiled early because you know I worked in Living Color and that was run by person of color. I mean, yeah. Keenan was the boss, and that was revolutionary. Right. Then I saw my boss was a black man you know right and that inspired me so much you right. know and the the whole show was people of color in important positions not just you know, as writers, but as, right. you know, people on the floor, camera, all these kinds of things. You know, it was so inspirational at the time. And Spike was doing the same thing in the film world, you know, yeah, it's at that funny. time. And then it felt like it kind of fell off. Yeah, in like in there's like, this is a huge drop off, Yeah, right? it's like an ethnic cleansing. <laughs> <of winter. laughs> They're like, enough. <laughs> I know. But hopefully, to me, it feels like it's starting back up. But I also feel like... Some of the stuff, because, you know, we tend to look at it black and white because, one, that's the funniest yeah, way, too. Right, <laughs> yeah, <'cause, laughs> it is. Because we're comedy writers. <laughs> but also, but I do think that a lot of the strides that have happened for black people on TV has opened the door for other minorities, too, you know? Definitely. And and that's heartening to me as well, you know? Like I said, I'm working with very talented Chinese yeah. American writer on this pilot, and, you know, she there are no peers for her. You Absolutely. You know, people that, are, who, that look like her and... Are that background that are at the position that she's at? And I'm like, and we have a Chinese, female Chinese American director on it too, you know? Right. Like, there are different, like, we're empowering people on yeah, this like, to be the ones who can make those decisions. And I'm very proud to be working with them on this too. Yeah, I mean, know? I
0: definitely want people to know, like, as far as black entertainers and creators have come, we still are very, very far behind. And our Latino and Asian and Muslim yeah. friends are even further behind. Completely. And that is, like, Completely. insane when you think of the makeup of this country yes. and the makeup of the landscape of people who are watching
1: television. It's, right. like,
0: as—it's that it's that, that kind of thing of, like, when black people make strides, we bring everybody else with us. Uh-huh. I'm just—I just
1: wanted to give us some credit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we—I mean, it definitely—it's it's been that way. It's, like, we, yeah. like— we—in America, at least, like, when black people fight for for anything, we—it's we, with the understanding that mm-hmm. Latinos and Asians and Muslims and any other marginalized ethnicity, like, mm-hmm. is coming with us. Because we all get lumped into right. that same mm-hmm. group of non-white this, non-white yes. that. And, and so—
1: Our fight was so specific. Right. And such and a clear demarcation of morality. And so I'm like—I'm always, like— I love the fact that
0: Rami's uh, a show. That's, mm-hmm. that's it's and, and I saw the first three episodes and it's incredible. Yeah, it looks awesome. Yeah, it's so. Do you good. want to describe
1: that because you're mentioning it to some um, people? So yeah, so Rami
0: Rami Youssef um, is a comedian. Is a comedian him? who mm-hmm. has a show come out on Hulu in April. Yeah, and it's a show about him uh, being a Muslim who lives in yeah. in New Jersey with his family and it's like basically like trying to find his way in life and battling with his uh, his. Um, Wanting to be uh, an individual, but also wanting to be Muslim, yes. and like having how to be an American, how to like what customs do yeah. you adhere to? What the how do you walk between those two worlds, and also dealing with what it's like to be Muslim in America? Completely. And I and, love
1: the fact that that show. It looks like it's a global show too. It is. That it's because TV is becoming more global. And it's like the audience is not just American, though that is the primary audience for this. Mm-hmm. But there's gonna be a, there could be a global audience for these types of stories. But anyhow, yeah. Ahead, yeah, yourself. no, definitely like the
0: having seen the first three, it definitely is a show that I think Muslims all over the world where mm-hmm. they can if they can legally watch some of the content. Of it, <laughs> it's a lot of uh well, it gets right a there. little edgy, gets a little like sexual at times. Right. Um it definitely explores what it means to be Muslim, not only just in America, but in the world in a way that mm-hmm. just did not ever exist on TV before. Just yes. n- I, I can't think of a single thing, single show that's ever existed like it for someone in that community. And that's the beauty of when you get to a place mm-hmm. where you get someone who trusts you with your life yeah. and your content and your story. Right. And that's what he did. He got great producers. Gerard Carmichael is one of his executive producers. Yeah. Um, People at Hulu who like trust and believe in what he's mm-hmm. doing in the show. They made a really great show. Yeah, it
1: looks awesome. I saw and I
0: can. For I can only, I can only you imagine really like do. with like the show you're doing now. Like what? Like uh, the 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 amount of Asian mm-hmm. content creators who yes. are probably at home, right? Just like wanting to burn down everything because they're like, <laughs> I have these great <laughs> ideas, right? And nobody will let me. But also, myself.
1: we were four five years ago, 2014. When Kenya and I were casting Blackish. There were no black sitcoms on television. That's crazy. Think about that. That is crazy. Think about that. <laughs> That's five years ago. What seriously? What the fuck, man? I mean, when I think about it, and then Insecure that, came right behind we were, that, right? Yeah, which I, you know, was a uh, year and a half later and when it and premiered Insecure, right? You know. But, and you had to do all of them. <laughs> yes, I co-created <laughs> you Insecure. Yes. You brought Black I had to put in. back to yes. TV. <laughs> I brought this up to give myself credit. No, but I remember we were thinking about that and thinking, look at all this talent that we get to have. It was both a nice thing and a horrible thing. You know, the right. realization. So I'm, I'm working with the Chinese-American director right now, female her name is Jude Wang. She's brilliant. Oh, you know, Jude she, directed my episode of Camping. Jude, you know how brilliant Jude is, right? <laughs> right. Jude is fantastic. This is her first pilot. And I'm like, how the fuck is this her first pilot? It's crazy. It's crazy talk. It's crazy talk because it should have happened before. Right. But we're happy that we right. We get to work with this fantastic right. woman, you know. Um. So, yeah, man, sometimes we got to do this shit ourselves, yeah. you know, and just— And, like, hope they let us. (laughs) Yeah, Well, yeah, just push it through. But that's why it is nice when you see people like uh, Shonda and and the new people coming up, uh, like Jordan and Easton, those people breaking those doors open. Um, Let's switch the conversation a little bit. See, I could talk to Trayvon forever and stuff. There are a couple (laughs) of things I wanted to talk to you about. Okay, first, I do want to talk about the election and when we end. But first, I have to ask you. Jesse Smollett, <laughs> I, ha- I haven't talked to you about this. I don't think so. Did no, I No, I don't think we it? have. I don't think we talked about it. Okay. <laughs> All right. See, I always thought something was weird when it first happened. I had Van Latham on the show. We talked about it. We had a great conversation right. about it. because. He so wanted it to be true because Damn. he wants to believe the brother, which I understand. Damn, I think but, everybody did. Well, not me. I'm right. like, if a brother's lying, I don't, well, no, just because he's I mean, a brother, I'm not going to—
0: No, I think everybody wanted to believe him in the sense I of like a person— I certainly didn't want him to be lying about yes, this. That's yes, that's what I mean. Like People they didn't did want him to be lying. Thing. People yes. didn't want it to be a false thing. Correct. But also like— I
1: didn't want pe- this thing to be happening, though, right, right, right. Yes. So now, I have never seen a situation like this <laughs> where— Apparently, it looks like they made a deal, but he's saying that he's innocent. The police have all come out right. and said, no, motherfucker, you did this, but the charges are dropped. And people now, it, there's like, people are, are actually kind of jumping on Jesse's train a little bit because they view this as now it's an ideological fight between forces. Like, right. oh, police who don't put all, they're not going to have a press conference when they shoot somebody. Right. You know, They're going to have a press conference when they say he right. did something wrong. So now they're jumping on that bandwagon. Right. It's getting so out of control. And uh, Chris Rock was an NAACP oh, viewer, George, and yeah. had the funniest joke, where he said, man, this is a waste, waste of-, of light skin. <laughs> <laughs> a, waste of light skin. <laughs> a waste of light skin. A waste of, he said, you know what I could have done with that light skin? In- <laughs> Chris, you've done pretty well for yourself. Yeah, right you-, you worked it, man. But he- the point of his joke was he doesn't believe him.
0: I think a lot of people don't, Mm -hmm. and for I would say good reason, in the sense of like if you're using Mm -hmm. your evidentiary brain and you're like I'm looking at the evidence and I'm looking at Mm -hmm. the
1: situation, this doesn't
0: seem the part
1: of the brain that deals with facts. Yes,
0: (laughs) right. The part where you're like, okay, these things Mm -hmm. don't necessarily line up and make sense to me. Then you you can't walk away from that situation. Police exclude it. You can't walk away from Mm -hmm. just what you heard. From him and what was found that that actually happened, uh-huh. and I think with the whole um, like the the charges being dropped, uh-huh. from what I read and heard from like uh, even like Judge Judge, remember Judge Maybelline? She was uh-huh. talking about this on her Instagram. <laughs> yes. like she was she,
1: the, Judge Maybelline. <laughs> uh, someone
0: sent me a clip of her talking about this. Where like they made some type. I forget the name of the type of deal uh-huh. that happened, but it's basically the the same as saying. We're not saying you're innocent. You're essentially admitting that you did this thing, like filed a false, false police report or whatever the thing was. Mm-hmm. But we're not charging you with the crime because we can't. I guess the DA doesn't feel like they can prove it in court. According to the police, they can. Yeah, but yeah. the DA is like, but to to be like, if you if you think you're innocent, if you like think you really didn't do something. Why do you
1: give up $10,000? Why do you do community service? Why but, do you— I mean, I'm But it just, was a grand jury recommendation. This was a grand jury recommendation. Right. You know, that this go forward. Right. It's very weird. It's crazy. It's very weird for that to happen, and then you still
0: end up— And then they in, sealed this agreement, which is even crazier. Someone, someone said to me they think uh, the police might have, even though they knew he was lying and had evidence— Toward it in some degree that they started like messing around with things and might have gotten themselves into a murky territory. But
1: dropping that glove,
0: <laughs> like yeah, that's what I called it. I was like, they did the OJ thing, no, where they might no, have like no. messed the case up for themselves. No, no, and no. so they uh, they think that's one of the running one of the theories out there. Oh, God. I mean, it's 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 so it's like it's like debating it's like debating what happened in the movie Us. It's so many theories. It's right. so many like things people think happened or like whatever the case may be. But at the end of the day, I think it's just one of the most
1: bizarre. Why do you think, do you think he did? Do you think he, it's a, he set it up himself. I I don't, I don't, I don't believe it happened. Yeah. So you believe that he lied. about I don't don't believe that. Okay. So let me ask you this. If that's the case, why would he come out and say, see, I told you I was telling the truth rather than just like, if, if they cut this deal, you know, right? Wouldn't the proper thing to do, because we know they cut a deal, right? Is say, look, I don't want to really talk about this, but I am sorry that all this right. caused all this or whatever. Yeah, like, n- even if he didn't want to come clean, clean, right? He could have come partially clean. Yeah, like just- I mean, the right thing to do was say, look, I'm sorry. Right. Um I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, it's
0: it's it's like divided people in a way like, yes. like
1: it's divided black
0: people in a way I've never seen before like uh. Uh, up until the Michael Jackson documentary and right and, yeah exactly but it's it's one of those things where you just like I mean it had everything. I mean from calling yourself the gay Tupac uh. to like I mean it I I want and I and I like a lot of people when it, mm-hmm. when it came out I was like tweeting in support of him yeah and I wanted to believe it happened but like if I just don't I just mm-hmm. like I as as much as I wish I'm not I won't even I don't, I don't wish he gotten beat up but I mean I, mm-hmm. as much
1: as I wish he was telling the truth about being beat up yeah
0: I just don't find
1: it convincing. You know, it's so interesting because there was a correlation made between that and the Mueller investigation, where you had, and once again, I find myself being contrary to most things, um, where you had a lot of people on the left, a lot of Democrats hoping that it was true that a presidential candidate colluded with Russia. <laughs> right, right. I'm like, why are you hoping
0: that's true? That's <laughs> yeah, crazy talk. You, yeah, because like, it gets you closer to your goal yes, of if it's but true. but why would you but, want that right. to be
1: true? Yeah,
0: and there were you people know? who were going, I wish this wasn't true. I wish the president, but I hope but we I hope find it that he true. did so that we can do blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, yeah it is a, a strange why thing. Why do we want a
1: Manchurian candidate? Right. Like, why would you hope right. for that, you know? But I get it. You know, they're hoping for the worst of Trump to right. be out there so he can be getting gotten out of there. Right. But, like, I never thought that Trump colluded with Russia because I thought the question was improper. To me, the correct question was, would Russia collude with Trump? Right. <laughs> you know? Right. And that's, no, are you kidding? The With Putin, the ex-head of the KGB, <laughs> say, you know what, I think I'm going to tell a uh, an American running for the presidency of the right. United States that we are actually interfering with their election. And would they like to know about right. that and help us out, you know? I think
0: the, I think the mm-hmm. thing that, that actually I think the, the bigger truth, the thing we should have been focused on, is Russia definitely interfered in the election. Correct. That's the thing that I think blended into the collusion stuff. And I think it was the Trump administration's fault in the sense of they found so many instances of them communicating with russia in these yeah. back channel ways right. and in these dirty like dark secret ways that they weren't supposed to that it's like if you're doing an investigation yeah, that's gonna look like collusion if mm-hmm. you're like, what's happening with uh, KGB agents, and you're like setting up back channels. Of, people literally got indicted, in arrest, and put in jail for setting up that. Was that? I don't remember her name, but mm-hmm. like all these things were found to be Natasha true. Yeah, and Natasha, yeah, yeah. Like they, <laughs> all these things were found where you mm-hmm. were like, you're like, no collusion, no collusion. But it's like everything you did looks like you were colluding.
1: Yeah, I think the definition of collusion is what got lost there. Like, what are we actually saying? Because I think that word was just thrown out, you know. But I never thought Trump was smart enough to do that type of stuff either, you know. But we also
0: mm-hmm. necessarily don't know because uh, Mueller's report, of, of according to what, what they know about it, said that he didn't come to a conclusion. He didn't say no collusion. He said it was— he didn't. He didn't determine it. Then but let me answer it for you. But we also have for the... you.
1: Donald Trump did not actively um, engage with the Russian government to win the election. There, yeah, I get, I, <laughs> I that get, did not happen. I mean, I don't want it to happen, but I also it did not happen. It just didn't happen. You know, um, I mean, he's just
0: some like a like a
1: moron like dude in being there. Who Trump just Trump didn't even know he was going to win. Yeah, he thought he was going to be out of there, and this would help his business or whatever. Right. You know. Were the Russians involved in Hillary's hacked emails? Absolutely, yes. yes. You know, in WikiLeaks and, right. you know, do Roger Stone know about that completely? You right? Know? But that's different from saying the Russians who were trying to affect the election through Facebook and all that were directly or whatever Russians were directly involved with a presidential candidate to do that and was also – you know, involved with them directly to affect the election. Right. That I don't agree with. If that's what the definition of collusion is. Right. I don't think that happened, you know. Right. Would Trump and them do any kind of dirty tricks possible to win an election? Completely. Yes, absolutely. You know, that's a, that's a politician's job. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, why I, I, would you hire Paul Manafort if you weren't interested in dirty dealing? Right, exactly. Right? Completely believe in that. Right. But this particular one, I think, is a stretch. But, you know, that's just my opinion on it because, you know. I'm on that. Unfortunately, I think Trump's going to get reelected, but you know, I hope that it's not true. Oh man, yeah, I, would, I Nothing I met, sticks to him, Trayvon. Nothing. Yeah, I nothing. met Kamala last night or yesterday,
0: uh-huh. and was it as, uh, at, a, at a at a fundraiser? Uh-huh. And it was it was interesting. Uh-huh. I'm like, I'm. Do you like I'm her? Not, I I like her. I've not jumped on any bandwagon
1: uh-huh. or any like camp yet. I feel like it's uh-huh. way too early. Do you think? Who do you think <laughs> has the best chance of the Dems? Uh, wait, go ahead and finish your Kamala. But no, yeah, I, just, I listened mm-hmm. to her her talk, and
0: mm-hmm. I asked her a couple questions afterwards, like mm-hmm. personally. And mm-hmm. uh, I think she's— Like, what happened with you and Willie Brown? <laughs> <laughs> I, I find her very—that uh, <laughs> would have gotten me kicked out. Right. Uh, I find her very, very compelling. I think she— Are you black or Indian? Give me one answer. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Save it for the debate. Are you Blindian? Is that what <laughs> you said?
0: <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't— after what happened in 2016, I'm just not. I need to see this play out a lot yeah. more before. I, and a lot of a lot of people, good people I know, have already made their,
1: made I their already choice. I already voted for the first black president, so I don't have any racial allegiance for this <laughs> Right? One. Sorry, can, Cory Booker. I could go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Cory Booker. You're on your own. <laughs> I'm going for whoever can beat Trump on right, this one.
0: Right. Yeah. And I mean, I, I'm in terms of who who's announced so far. Mm-hmm. That I feel like can beat him, man. I think it's it's just Bernie Mm -hmm. in terms of people who've announced so far. Bernie Sanders, Sanders who I think Mm -hmm. of the people who've announced their candidacy so far, and what I know about them and what I've seen, if an election was held tomorrow, I think he has the best shot. What about Biden? Has he announced yet?
1: No, but do you think Biden can beat I think Biden
0: has a better chance than Mm -hmm. Bernie, Do you think Bernie could
1: win in a national race against Trump?
0: I would say yes, because Mm -hmm. I think his fans and Trump's fans are very similar. Mm -hmm. I think they're just—they're cut from the same cloth. They just have different Mm -hmm. beliefs. But it's the same—it's like what we dealt with with, like, them going—like, the Bernie or Busters. Like, all the whole, Mm -hmm.
2: like—the
0: people who, like—the type of people who would vote for Trump because their guy— didn't get the nomination or just like a, a different cut, like a different type of people. Mm-hmm. But I feel like they he has a a a, a fan base that is so dedicated and yeah. so
1: I wonder if he can have the same effect this time around.
0: Um they from mm-hmm. what I've seen online and, and and like listening to people, they seem more fired up this time than mm-hmm. last time. Yeah. Um but I mean, who just who who just announced and raised a crazy amount of money? Lato? Yes, mm-hmm. he, he raised more than Bernie did, like six million or yeah, something um, in twenty four hours or something so like, crazy like that. I think I find I what find do you think him fascinating? Do you like him? Um, I definitely would have voted for him in Texas. Oh, well, to beat like, Ted Cruz! Yeah, like I mean, I like him. Um, I mean, you like vote he the
1: devil to be yeah Tech right Cruz, yeah basically. like I mean I
0: I think he I think he's a very Fascinating uh-huh. candidate. He he kind of reminds me of like oh like white Obama uh-huh. in, in in the ah! sense of like the way Obama well, Obama's t- half white. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so the half of a whole Obama right. or whole or the whole of a half. Sure, um, but I think he he talks in a way that people
1: can get inspired by, even if they don't Do know. Do you think the Democrats about- should not worry about? falling in love with somebody yes. and should be more worried about Absolutely. who's competent and who can and win I was thinking right. this exact thing like yesterday. oh Betos like stop it you guys yeah, like, he, I was, he even, just lost to Ted Cruz stop even, it.
0: even if I was as I was listening to Kamala speak and uh-huh. I was thinking about all the other people and it, and it was just like she as she's talking about Trump and talking about what's at stake and I was thinking about, are we doing a good job of of spreading that message of, like, stop this idea mm-hmm. of I need to be in love with my candidate? Mm-hmm. I because, mean, it's
1: good if that happens, but yeah. be in love with them because they can win. Yeah, and, and right. <laughs> and
0: because, like, they can move you closer to a world right. that looks like the one you want to live in, whether you want to have a beer with them or not. Like, I remember people mm-hmm. in Germany saying— We don't love Angela Merkel, but Mm -hmm. she's good at her job, and that's why we vote for her. They're like, we don't don't have to like her Mm -hmm. to want her to be our leader. Like, we want her to lead, to use her abilities to, like, get our country where we want it to be. But, like, I don't need to hang out with her. I don't Mm -hmm. need to want to go to her barbecues. Mm -hmm. Like, I just need a person to get the job done. Like, I don't need my accountant to be cool or Mm -hmm. fun. (laughs) I just want you to make sure my money's right.
1: One of the things that is very interesting is that— that there's a good shot that we'll have a female candidate again. Uh, well, Hillary didn't, uh, well, yeah, Hillary ran the last time, so she yeah. was a candidate, but you know, maybe a uh, good chance we could have a female president this time because I mean, we've got how many are running four or five? It's
0: like, yeah, four, it's like four or five in the race now. I mean, Amazing. I won't, I, I like Stacey Abrams mm-hmm. a lot. I don't think she's gonna run, I don't, right? I don't think she will, but I, I
1: heard her I don't talk know if she on has Monday. enough of a national profile. That's what I think hurts Beto in some ways too. You know, although that can grow they very can also, fast. yeah, it can, it like can Obama change overnight. Didn't have it, yeah. so that can grow. It I can like her a lot. When you listen to her speak, you're like, yeah. whoa. Yeah, man. I heard her speak on Monday. She's amazing,
0: and I was like blown away. Yeah. And you know, it only takes one hope poster to like change your whole. <laughs> so
1: fitting. <funny>. Like yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, change your whole like just how people view you. Like, right. It, I was actually talking at that same Kamala fundraiser was the woman who worked with Shepard Ferry when he made that poster. Yeah. And she was telling me the story of how it just, like, overnight, like, just, like, became a thing. And she was like, it actually used to say progress before it said hope. Yeah. And then they changed it to hope
1: and they started putting them out and it just, like, took on a life of its own. I like Stacey Abrams because she seems like the kind of president who'd be, like, the kind of mom that You've been playing out in the street too long. And she doesn't care <laughs> yeah. that your friends are there. Right. <laughs> she's going to grab you. And, and, uh, this, this is from experience. Mm-hmm. The street lights are on. <laughs> yes, this happened to us when we were. <laughs> and She's it. not going to care. She's no. going to get things done, you she, know. She And I mean, I think she, awesome she ran. I I'd support her.
0: Man, I I like I like hmm. her a lot. I could definitely see. Yeah. I mean, I feel like also if she's going to do it, it has to happen in the next 2 months. Yeah. And yeah, it may be too even, late at this point because yeah. the field is
1: just so crowded. Yeah,
0: and how do you distinguish yourself? You but know? I mean, anybody who is not thinking about Stacey Abrams as a vice presidential candidate.
1: Yeah, well, Biden kind of made it. Yeah, yeah, you. I mean, there. somebody tried to give
0: Beto shit for saying like he would ask her or I, I thought Biden was. said that. No, uh, he might. have, But I, there was uh, the article. Beto did it in that magazine. Uh, he just oh, I the, thought it was.
1: Was it Biden? It was, it, Biden? No, it was...
0: I think it was Beto. Oh, okay. And and people were giving him shit for it. And I'm like... Why would he say that? Um, That's odd. Well, I think they... I don't know if they asked him or if he offered it. But I... I t- I didn't take it the way people took it. People were mm-hmm. trying to take it like it was like an offense to her or yeah. I think he said Kamala or yeah. or Stacy. The- I took it from a <laughs> I took it purely from a competitive standpoint. Sure. Like
1: right, 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 if right.
0: you're running for president, the right. idea is to win. Yes. And so if you if you're like who do I want on my team? Right. Of course. Who's going to make like, a good team? Yeah, like, of right, course right. I would say Stacey or Kamala. Are you kidding? Like, <clears throat> if you're <throat> looking at the field and you're looking at the field in 2019, where it's like a lot of people don't even want a man to be the nominee, mm. you're like, you better hitch your wagon to one of these yeah. brilliant black women if you think you want to have the best chance. Cause, I, like, a yeah. two white dude ticket ain't going to cut it. Like, well, it we'll just. See. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if, unless it's like the
1: best shot you got at that is like Bernie and Biden, that ain't never going to happen. That's never going to happen. I think Kamala's very talented. In term, I'm talking about politician talented. She seems to have politician talent. Um, Amy Klobuchar, I know she's been around for a while. I like Amy a lot. I like, I actually like her a lot. But I don't know if she has that type of talent that a Kamala has. Right. But once you see them in competition, it might be different. Christian Gillibrand. It's hard to tell, especially sometimes when people are from New York. Sometimes it's hard to tell that. Right. You know. There always seems to be some agenda gonna. <laughs> Cory Booker, he's so full of shit to me sometimes. You know? <laughs> Stop it with my girlfriend talking. all that stuff. You know? My girlfriend. Oh god, you know. That's so funny. <laughs> Ugh, I can barely take so much of Cory Booker, but whatever. Um, and then you guys, thinking t- Elizabeth around. Warren. Elizabeth Warren, maybe. Well, I don't know how people really feel about her. Yeah. Um, she I think she set the table for a lot of the issues right definitely. now. Definitely. That's what she did. Yeah. You know, and the way AOC is still taking those issues. But um like she and Bernie set the table for a lot of these people. I mean, you know, yeah. they're both running. So that'll be interesting.
0: I mean, can you imagine when she can run for president?
1: Like, oh yeah. It's crazy. Like that's gonna be nuts. Oh, nuts. <laughs> yeah. She's already, I would never underestimate her. Yeah. She's yeah. like, are you kidding? Yeah, I would never underestimate her. She's only going to get better as a politician and everything yeah. too, and she's already like she's unbelievably pol- politically talented. Yeah, that's like raw political talent. Yeah. You know, like Bill Clinton had raw political talent. They're just so good at being a politician.
0: Yeah, I know? could totally
1: see her like just like being an, an incredible president. She's a star. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, she's a star. So yeah, I'm I'm right now. If you the way that I'm classifying people, I'm looking at. Do they have that politician talent, that star talent? Right. I don't know if Biden has that. You know, Biden has—he's tried to run for president before. I don't know how much raw politician talent he really has, you know. I, feel I like, don't know if he can beat Trump. I feel like Like people, Bernie has a lot more than Biden as far as I'm concerned.
0: I think people's appeal to Biden, and this is like—I don't know if you saw that that poll that had him at the top of it.
1: Yeah, uh, I it. Um, but a lot of that is recognition. I think. Factor, I think so. it's.
0: I think it's a mix of recognition. I think it's a, a mix of like he's got the Obama touch. Yeah, I don't people, know about and, that. And, I think and, he's
1: having problems with Biden touch. You <laughs> <know>? <laughs> like, I think some of that stuff is going to come out. Actually, I, I, yeah. like it already has. Oh, it, it. I think more of that is on its way. It's going to get nasty. It'll be more I, than what Al Franken. And had I, done. I
0: talked. I asked Kamala about this too, mm-hmm. and and she she mentioned. Like having a clean yeah. debate season. She's with the, happy, that that, with, with, that's, that's yeah, like, with come the, out. With yeah. the uh, right. other candidates in, right. in, the, in the Democratic side, and but it's like you know, once we get in it and the yeah. super PACs get involved, right. and it's like they may not be saying it on stage, but they're gonna be digging up all. Oh, gonna be, gonna, it's gonna be mudslinging. Biden slinging. has the
1: longest record yeah. to unearth. There's gonna be about. so many montages.
0: He of be very he said. and
1: he's going against a guy. Who yeah. cheated on That's his the pregnant irony. wife That's the irony. with the hey. corn star, for Christ's sake. Then nobody cares. They're going
0: to play the Obama articulate and uh, and clean yeah. statements. And uh, they're going to do all. They're going to bring out well, the greatest about hits. nobody cares
1: unless they're trying to no, separate no, black people from No, him. no. I mean, I'm, I'm just right. saying they're going to bring out all the greatest hits. What's the Anita Hill they're going to bring out? They're the, they already the, talking the, about that now. He's not the the even crime, running. in the crime bill. Yeah.
0: yeah they're talking about that now. He hasn't even announced it.
1: Well, we'll see. So, if you have to put your money on somebody right now, well, oh, who speaks to you the most? Like, if you don't have to worry about all that, who, like, who speaks to Trayvon when you hear them? You go, wow. You know, I like that person. Anybody? Nobody. Okay.
0: Yeah, there's. I'm. I'm really. So maybe I'm, that
1: person hasn't dropped.
0: It. Yeah, it's just like I'm. I'm at that. But I, it goes back to what you were saying. It's like, who's the person who can? Who I would just like. I may not be excited about, but like, yeah. I think can win and can right. do the job, and I feel like. The field, the door's closing to announcing. Yeah. And we're gonna end up having to just like pick a horse soon. Yeah. And we'll see. It's gonna be it's gonna be and and it's gonna it sucks because as much as I like to be behind a candidate and promote them online and talk about them and talk about why I'm passionate about them, this might be the year I'm just like, you know what? Gonna step back. I might just have to be like, here's who I like. It's not ideal. Yeah. <laughs> it's not who I. It's not who I would have like necessarily. Like mm-hmm. this person You'll maybe like doesn't excite me. Reason. Yeah, but yeah. like
1: I think this is what we need to do. Like yeah. this is who we might need, and that but might you know, come. It's kind of what the Republicans did. A lot of Republicans did not like Trump, but they thought he could win. Yeah, because of his outspokenness, not because of his ideas, really.
0: And I mean, it very mm-hmm. well could come down to like. Maybe not picking somebody until they get to the point where it's like Yeah. we
1: we'll prove themselves in these debates and yeah. see how you're doing. Yeah. Like that's where I think Kamala I think Kamala to me is my front runner for winning debates because that's where her talent She's good comes at that. out. Yes. Yeah. You know, being a DA and yeah. the way you can tell by the way she asks questions. Yeah. Like um to me, I give her the edge in that type yeah. of thing. Biden, you have to give him a little bit of an edge because of his experience in the world, right. foreign affairs and that type of stuff vice president he's just been in all these he's been in every meeting you could possibly be in about right. something right. you know behind the scenes and I stuff I mean he's been you know? Bin in. he's like all yeah. this stuff <laughs> like, yes so those are the two who I think would be the debate front runners right you know and then we'll see who the dark horses are that'll be man, fun that's gonna be interesting
0: I'm, I'm actually looking forward to this debate me season too. for those reasons yeah. like it's gonna be crazy definitely
1: alright Trayvon well thanks for stopping by man I really appreciate it no problem. we'll thanks see what's gonna me. happen in this Riders go thing um Hopefully, it'll be by the time you guys hear this. Who knows? Maybe it'll be all settled. I hope out. so, man. Yeah. In the meantime, drop by anytime. Trayvon Free, everybody.
0: Thanks, Larry.